Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. everyone and welcome to this week's episode. My guest today is Millie G. You will know her from Instagram, I'm sure, but she's someone that I have genuinely followed and loved for ages. The thing with Millie is that she is such a brilliant advocate for talking about the recovery journey from eating disorders and disordered eating. She is someone who shares the highs and lows of that process and I really relate to a lot of the experiences that she talks about. I have followed her from afar and love all that she talks about and the community that she's created as well of women and girls who are wanting to move on from you know obsessing about food and exercise and really creating a healthy relationship with both of those things so I'm so excited to have her as a guest today just as a caveat in today's episode we do talk about eating disorders if that's not something that you're comfortable to hear about right now please skip this episode but if you are listen on and I really hope you enjoy welcome Millie. Millie I'm so excited to have you here today and I think that I, for one, have loved following your journey and I really love how open and honest you've been online, particularly talking about the non-linear recovery from an eating disorder, which I think is so important. I think one of the places that I would love to start, and we were chatting about this just before we came on the podcast, is really understanding about those kind of early signs of, you know, insecurities within your body. I was saying to you about how I remember, you know, a really specific moment for me was when I started to get boobs in like primary school and that that was such a big insecurity for me Mm. because none of my friends had them at the time and sort of those those key moments of like changing for PE for example where you're like having to strap off and you're like oh my god and just starting to notice those sort of internal thoughts of oh my body doesn't look the same as hers and Mm. you know so I'd love to understand from your perspective when did those thoughts start to happen and when were you kind of conscious of feeling a little bit uncomfortable in your body yeah firstly thank you for having me it's so nice I'm so happy you've made it work So yeah, it's actually crazy because I think with the term eating disorder and being like insecure with your body and everything, I think everyone relates to it some way. But I, as we were saying before, I didn't even realize I had planted certain seeds throughout my early like childhood that would then impact my later eating disorder. So when you said about um, how you struggled at 
even at primary school, that then sparked a memory of, yeah, when I was like comparing literally the width of my ankles, like the back of my ankles to my friends. But I would never vocalise it. I would always, it was always just be in the back of my head. So I don't think I really fully realised that that was impacting how I would like look at my body. Um, and then, cause I was a dancer, I mean, I've been dancing, well, I don't anymore, but I was a dancer from like the age of three up until oh, like 21. So that whole duration of being in leotards, going to dance schools, looking at myself in the mirror all the time, they, they were all planting the seeds. But again, I wasn't fully, fully aware. So I think there was one like significant moment that I remember when um, I think I was probably like 16 and I was having um, like a good old scroll on Tumblr at my grandma's house. And I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was insecure in my body then, but I saw, I just kept seeing these Australian models on there. And I think it, it sort of introduced the idea that maybe looking that way would make me happier even though I wasn't necessarily sad, I just thought I could just get happier. Maybe I'll, I'll just be a bit more confident than how I am now. So that was the, the most significant like time that really changed the whole game for me. But like you said, there's, there's so many small things that happened throughout your childhood that lead up to that point. Mm. But no one's really aware. When you're that age, you're just not aware. Yeah, and it's such a drip, drip thing as yeah. well, you know? Like, it's not like there was one moment, even for myself, that I was like, right. Yeah. You know, I, I talk about sort of catalyst moments and there are definitely things, like you said, there are moments that I remember being more prevalent mm. in my experience of then moving down that disordered eating path where I'm like, yeah, that probably had a big impact. But it doesn't just happen after no. one thing. It's a collective experience of, and it's so interesting that yeah. you reference your dance background because I also was a dancer, you know, went to professional dance college and you know, like my whole childhood, I'd actually wanted to be a professional ballerina. Mm. That had been my dream. And I very distinctly remember my um, my ballet teacher saying to me, you know, Alice, you, you're not going to have the physique to be a professional dancer. Like very early on, as in like maybe 12, oh, 11, 12. And so I think that at the time, maybe I didn't necessarily, like I was a very determined kid so I remember just thinking right well mm. I'm gonna pivot and I'm gonna do musical theatre mm -hmm. instead but even those things it's like I don't think we recognize how the weight of our words mm. and the words that are said to us when we're growing up yeah and the effect that that can have on like I said that drip drip effect of my body's not good enough it's not quite right oh this isn't right oh that's yeah. not right so I really appreciate that you know there wasn't one moment but you can kind of recognize that there were things that, yeah. that led up to that and it's even like the non-verbal communication that I would always like just sort of bat an eyelid to. But that was such a important part to my, to, to getting to the point where I was, you know, having such bad habits with my food and my body because I would just notice my dance teacher like maybe look down at my tummy mm. and then just look back up. But it would be this like the smallest things. So yeah, it is, it is ridiculous, it's awful. I, yeah, totally relate to that. You went on to develop an eating disorder, which you've been really open about speaking about. And, um, you know, just to kind of caveat this conversation, if this isn't right for anyone that's comfortable hearing about this right now, please feel free to come back at another time. But but if we do go into, you know, that space, your eating disorder was something that I think was, um, you know, exacerbated, I think, as you said, by, by the period of lockdown where, mm. you know, I guess 
you know, for many people, it was a really isolating experience. And um, what else was there to do except, you know, you know, a lot of people were encouraged to do more exercise and to, you know, get healthy and do all of these things. So um, I can see how that would have been really challenging. But can you tell me a little bit about kind of the, the journey into that and what that was like for you? Yeah. So um, to be fair, it was an undiagnosed eating disorder. I've actually never been diagnosed, which is a whole nother topic we can talk about as well. But yeah, lockdown was definitely the worst time for me. I think like everyone, we were just we had no control of what we were, what was happening. So I recently learned throughout like my time in therapy, which I've recently been going to, which is amazing because I had no control that the only thing I could control was what I was putting into my body and how I looked. And I think with so many other people, they had very different experiences during lockdown. Um, and my sort of, the family dynamics were sort of going down and down and that was really toxic as well so there was a lot of things that were coming into play and I was already very active so instead of going to the gym I would just do my workout at home like everyone else was really kind of doing and because everyone was on Instagram at the point at that point it was so obvious to me that I guess everyone was being active so I just had to join in and the more I was doing that obviously the more I was it was a habit and the more obsessed I was getting and it's so interesting because every time I'd look in the mirror, no matter how much weight I was losing, I was still saying the same things to myself. I would never ever see how much weight I was losing. And it got to a point where my friend who, bless her soul, she she just, she hates being like confrontational. So she'll never ever bring up any sort of serious situation. And she brought up this um, topic of how like, I was losing lots of weight and she was worried about me. And that in itself was just a big eye opener because I was like, there's no way that she would bring this up if it wasn't serious. So I was looking into it more and still like very in denial. I was very, very in denial. I was very defensive, but also at the same time, I was so scared because all I was wanting to do was just to be my health, like my healthier self. And at the time I thought that was to be my skinnier self. So it was a really hard time because it was like learning how to, learning what was going on in the world, learning what I was doing to myself and learning how to, learning what healthy actually is and like actually accepting the fact that some girls can have a six pack and look lean and that is at their most optimal healthy self and state but for me that's just not the case and I think accepting that was the hardest thing. Just to pick up on a couple of things you've said there I think there's a lot of misconceptions around eating disorders and whilst you said you obviously didn't didn't have a diagnosis I think one of the things that that is therefore most interesting for me is that you know you referenced that there were people around you who were showing concern but was there no point where anyone sort of said Millie I think there's something wrong here or I think we need to get some help and it was, mm. was it just that you were a little bit in denial about that and, and you know like I and I've learned this because I I definitely was in this point where you do become a master manipulator to mm -hmm. some extent. You know, yeah. you're very oh good at telling lies and yeah. being very good at painting a picture of everything's fine, yeah. everything's great. So was there that going on? And was that kind of what made you, I guess, cover up the fact that things were worse than, than you yeah. were presenting? Oh, 100%. It completely changed me. Like it really made me in such a secretive person. And I didn't think I had it in me, but yeah, there were so many things that I, I learned how to hide and how to, again, like you said, manipulate to make people think that I was fine. And like, I know what I'm doing, I know my body best. But to be honest, because th well, throughout my like upbringing, the, the eating disorder, undi undiagnosed eating disorder was very, um, it was very prevalent throughout the whole of my upbringing. But I think there were times where it would just get a bit worse and then it would be fine again and then it'd get a bit worse. And during the times where it was getting worse, that's when my mum my would 
try and raise the situation and ask me if I'm okay. But I, because I was in such an that I, I was so defensive and it caused arguments all the time. And it really damaged my relationship with my family. So I think it got to the point where they, they kind of just gave up and they, they just thought, like I knew, I knew they really wanted to help me, but it was kind of making it worse at the same time because I was sort of rebelling against mm. it. So it was an awful toxic cycle. I think actually that's one thing that I think people do not understand. And we have to recognise that eating disorders are, are mental illnesses. Mm. Like there is, you know, I think, again, a big misconception about eating disorders is like this whole thing of, you know, just eat more. Mm. And I think yeah. a lot of the family support can be very much about not understanding why yeah. the person in front of them just can't eat more yeah. or like can't do what they think seems like such a simple solution yeah. to what is actually a much more complex problem. So... I can see both sides in a lot of situations. A lot of people that I know who've, who've had eating disorders is like, on the one hand, you have this person who's presenting as not eating enough and, you know, really struggling. And on the other side, you have a, a family who deeply cares, mm. but has no support structure in order to deal with the mental illness yeah. that's going on here. And, and it just makes it really hard because the toolkit isn't necessarily there. It might've got better now, but I know, I'm sure at the time, your family just probably felt like, at a oh, loss as, as to what to yeah. do. And, and, you know, with the lot of mental illnesses I think what we have to recognize is until that person accepts that they yeah. need help no amount of you know family telling you mm. or friends or whatever can get you to the point where you actually want recovery yeah, yeah, it is. and so but it's the want you need like you want to recover and I think that's such a big point to make is that like you know that the misconception that it's all just about wanting to be thinner and that yeah. like you know it's a it's almost like a vanity illness like mm -hmm. it's so toxic because actually the reality is is that person is suffering from a mental illness mm -hmm. that needs proper structured recovery and mm -hmm. and help and they've got to be at a point where they're ready to take that help so I guess I'd love to hear what that point was for you you know you said that you had to relearn what healthy looked like and I think that's a really nice way to put it because I do think that you know so much of our misconceptions around health and well-being is that like the smaller we are the healthier mm. we are so I'd love to hear you know what rebuilding and, and recovering really looked like yeah so I actually the start of my weight gain journey was actually fueled by wanting to lose more weight so I I reached out to an online coach um because I saw a lot of her um, like before and afters and client testimonies and stuff. And I thought, that's great. Like, and, and a lot of them were on reverse diets. So they started with, you know, how they looked before, which was absolutely great and healthy. But I think with the reverse diet, it just helped drop, the, drop their weight a bit more. And I thought, oh, okay, that's how I can lose more weight. Because I got to a point where I was restricting so much that I, I couldn't lose any more weight. My, my body was just holding on to anything that it could. I didn't know that at the time. So anyway, I reached out to this online coach and she said, yeah, we'll put you on a reverse diet. So I was like, great, let's go. And throughout throughout that, I, I was actually gaining weight. I was obviously eating more calories. I was eating more food and I was still working out, but I was dropping my cardio because I was doing so much cardio at the time. And yeah, I was gradually putting on muscle and and fat and the weight that I needed but because it was so gradual I think it didn't scare me as much as I thought it would have done so that was such a a blessing because I think if I were to suddenly you know gain gain loads of weight over like within a few weeks mm -hmm. it it would have completely made me go the other way again so yeah it started with the idea to lose more weight but throughout that I think I was really starting to notice that my body before was not looking healthy it was not in the most optimal state and I, I didn't know that until I sort of was coming out of that body and it's really sad because I think 
the whole idea of gaining weight scares people so much that they don't even want to try. If I were to go into the, my weight gain journey knowing that I was going to gain weight, I, I wouldn't have done it. So yeah, it's a hard one because I, obviously it's such a unusual experience. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. One of the things that I picked up on there is this idea that, and, and it's hugely around sort of body dysmorphia and something that I think so many women live with, regardless of whether they have an, an eating disorder or not, is that the body that they present with isn't necessarily, you know, what I might see as being, you know, you presenting as being gorgeous and, you know, healthy and whatever, um, isn't actually what you're seeing in the mirror, which is a completely different story. And when you spoke about sort of looking back on images of yourself when you were at your smallest mm -hmm. and most ill, you know, that you started to recognize that that wasn't necessarily the best place to be. And I think that I feel similar in that like now I look back on photos of myself and I'm like, oh my God, like mm. how, how did how I, I see that? How did I not see it at the time? But I do think that there's just this real warped perception of like what yeah. we're striving for. And I think, you know, you use the word control before. And I think control is a really big one. And I think particularly in relevance to lockdown where we were so out of control. Yeah. I really empathize with the fact that you know, for anyone that's struggled with eating and, and food and stuff, it does seem to be one of those things that we can just attach ourselves to as a way of being able to control something within our lives. And so um, I think that I really, yeah, I empathize with that completely because lots of other stuff in our lives is out of our control, right? Mm -hmm. We can't control whether people like us or not, or like, you know, what's our job doing yeah. and whatever, but the food we eat and the exercise we do, like to a certain extent, we can control those yeah. things. But there's a point where that starts to become really unhealthy and you know, I think that for you, I'm so interested at the fact that actually your recovery journey started with working with an online coach, yeah. which like I was like screaming alarm bells <laughs> in my head. But but like if it worked for you, great. Yeah. You know, like I, I and I think, you know, there are so many there's such a spectrum of like, you know, coaches mm -hmm. out there. So like, you know, some are brilliant after that process. So you start to gain a little bit of weight. You're recognizing that the body you're in now maybe is a bit healthier and you're mm -hmm. probably feeling a bit better in yourself as well by just eating more. What then sets you on this path of who you are today, which is, and I, I, I don't ever say, and I think it's really important to, um, I don't know whether you subscribe to this mindset as well of sort of never saying that you're fully recovered from something, yeah, yeah, that it's like, yeah, it's a journey yeah. and it's something sure. that you work on every day and yeah. all the time, but you know, it becomes a smaller and smaller part of you, but it's still a part of you that you, that you are yeah. able to challenge. How do you go from being that person who's working with an online coach still, and probably still heavily in that kind of like, you know, um, challenging mindset to being Millie who sat here today and like glowy and mm. happy and you know all these things oh god honestly it is such a blur at the same time yeah like everything was all happening at once so I was gaining weight it was a massive massive turning point in my life and then at the same time we were kind of coming out of lockdown so that was a huge change as well and then also at the same time I was growing so much on Instagram and like Instagram became more of a an obvious thing for me to, to pursue. So yeah, it was never my plan to be where I am today, but I really strongly believe that everything happens for a reason and I am so aligned to what I was meant to be doing. There are obviously days where I'm thinking, is this gonna be a long-term thing? Like, is social media gonna be around forever? We don't know. But during, yeah, during the whole weight gain phase, my 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 Instagram was blowing up, so I, I I think that was planting the seed for making me a lot more I guess supportive in my own journey because I was seeing so many other people supporting me, and it helped me a lot in not only feeling like I wasn't alone, but knowing that this was the right thing to do. 
And yeah, with, with weight gain, it wasn't just the actual weight that I was gaining. There was so many things. I was gaining so much energy, which obviously like you would think, of course that's gonna happen, but you generally don't really believe it. I just gained so much energy. And because I gained energy, I was I was a lot more clear in my, my head. I was thinking more straight. I was becoming just so such like a bubbly, funny person. Like I was laughing at lots of things. And everything that I was taking off that sort of personality list, I was thinking this is this is how it's meant to be. So that really pushed me and like excelled me to to do more of um, the, the Instagram and the, the weight gain and the body positivity and sharing all everything that I had learned from it. Because what I was experiencing was like, I could never ever anticipated it. And I just want everyone else out there who might be struggling on, I say an eating disorder spectrum because you can be, yeah, really unhealthy and really deep in your eating disorder or you can be right at the start of it like I was when I was like 14, 15. And it's it's just, yeah, showing that weight gain is is so much more to just weight and, and you, it, it brings life. Like there is in, just so many incredible things that come with it. And all my friends were saying, God, it's, it's crazy how you've changed. Like it is crazy. I knew it was deep, deep inside of me, but yeah, it was never coming out. I, I was such a lost soul, empty. So yeah, <laughs> that's, I do amazing. think, and that's one thing that I really recognize. And I speak about that a lot in terms of like, you know, this pursuit of thinness and th that some people are still on the journey of and, and like total empathy with people who find themselves in that place because we're all sold this dream, right? If we're smaller, we're better. And that narrative still persists, even mm -hmm. though there are people like yourself and myself and many, many others who are trying to show another yeah. way, but you know, it still does exist. I think that, you know, alongside that, it's really important that we talk about the the side effects of, of pursuing that lifestyle. You know, like if you want to have the rippling abs and you want to be super, super lean, it's like the cognitive effect. You know, mm -hmm. I remember having days where you like, you just feel so mentally fatigued. Mm -hmm. You have no energy, even stringing a sentence together is like, oh my God, the social aspect is huge. You know, losing friends, becoming yeah. a real recluse. Like I remember being the queen of canceling plans yes, and being able to yeah. like get out of stuff. Anything that revolved around food, it was like, no, yeah. like, I can't make it. But I would always be like really good at canceling. And yeah. you know, like you just, your world becomes so small. Yeah, and does. I really relate to that and what you said. And I think it's really important that that's a big understanding for people that again, like you said, are on that spectrum is that life after being on an eating disorder spectrum, whether that be, you know, disordered eating, eating disorders, whatever, is so rich mm. and offers you so much. And so to my next question, I think one of the things that I I love is that you use your platform and you've really built such an engaged community of people who are so invested in this kind of journey that you're taking people on of showing how amazing life can be with all the beautiful, fun, like things that life can throw at you mm -hmm. if you are able to recover from, yeah. you know, the restrictions that once held you back. So I love, and I think one of the things that's really important that you do is, is you, you set yourself these kind of mini challenges yeah. and you give them to your audience as well, you know, whether it's going to be, let's challenge ourselves to order something that's, you know, mm -hmm. out of our comfort zone or, you know, whatever it might be. Talk to me about doing those. Like, mm -hmm. is that almost in a way helping yourself at the, at the same time as helping your community? Yeah, hundred percent. So that, that idea came when I was still in my weight gain journey. So I was doing these little challenges for myself. And I thought, I know there's so many people who would love to, to do these challenges with me. And I think the community that I've built is where it is today because we all work together every day. And it was it was like, we were just a family, which is what, like, where the name comes from, family, which I love. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the, the daily challenges was so, so good. And as I was, it was really interesting because 
I noticed in myself that I, with my whole weight gain journey and quote unquote recovery, I feel like there were long phases where I was so fine and free and there was absolutely no thought going on in my brain about questioning how much calories I was having or whatever. But then there'd be phases where it was a little bit more obvious to me. And I think that was really obvious on my page because sometimes I I was doing the challenges and I was, it was more of like letting my followers do that and I was sort of like mothering them, like mm. helping them get through it. But then there were definitely phases where I was doing the challenges for myself and I had to share it with people because obviously life after weight gain is amazing. But like you said, there's there's always going to be a little niggle inside of you. And I think that's, that's what I love about you more than anyone, I think, mm. is that you're really honest about those. Like yeah. I remember seeing something recently that you posted that I was like, oh my God, I feel like she's speaking to me. And it was to do with, I think like seeing loads of people, I think it was around Christmas time and you were like, I'm really like triggered by loads of people that are like going for my boxing day run. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, like yeah, sat eating yeah. my second box of chocolates. Yeah. And I was like, fuck's <laughs> sake. But like, I really resonated with that because you said, and you've very, you know, like um, articulately put that it was triggering for you and you sort of explained why and you sort of then related that to like mm. if anyone's going through the same like know that you're not alone sometimes it's very hard to see this stuff and mm. I'm on that journey with you yeah and I think that's really important for us to understand you know I prefaced earlier the conversation by saying I don't ever see like an end goal when it comes to recovery I think that you know when you're on this journey it's sometimes a lifelong thing you know those little triggers mm. can hit us off and life events I've got a wedding coming up like I've got certain things where it's like oh god what am I going to do you know like and there's so many things where you have to constantly challenge that inner voice. Mm. And I really love that about your content. And I think that it's so like reassuring to see someone that's being very honest about their recovery journey rather than just like day two. Yeah. Guys, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm amazing. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's not. In today's society, there's always people still, you know, giving toxic messages out online, which is so sad. And I think it's still like subconsciously feeding our, our brains and a lot of the time you don't really know which voice to trust but it's just making sure that at least if there is someone that you follow online who is going through the same thing it's knowing that you aren't alone and it's so cliche to say but it does help it helps so much and yeah I just like to remind people that it's not it's not all daisies and rainbows at the end it's still things what are some of the things now that you feel that you sort of use as your daily, weekly, I know monthly practices that you feel really help to keep you in a positive space. Like you, you're on this recovery journey and, and like, you know, in your own words, you're in a good, good space now, but are there certain things that you find really help you to kind of stay grounded in that space? What I do every day or I don't do every day is, is scroll on anything apart from TikTok to be honest but it's I feel so like I've got a good algorithm to. on TikTok so yeah, yeah. it's just so it makes me happy <laughs> um but I I really don't scroll I don't look at anyone I I think the main thing that I did which has helped is, is unfollow so many people who I was following for toxic reasons and I really had to be true to myself I was like is this person serving me any any purpose in my life and I had to just be straight with it and I, I unfollowed a lot of people or muted people or whatever so that's something that yeah, it comes into my day to day. I think what I've done is is just remove tools that were helping me, well not helping me, but were were encouraging me to to track my steps or track my calories or anything. So I don't have a fitness watch anymore. I I don't have my fitness power. And with everyone's journey, it's so different. Like some people can still really help. And there's I actually listened to a podcast about how fitness watches like the good and bad things about fitness watch and I so agree with it and for me I just I don't trust myself with them mm -hmm. so that was um yeah that's something that I still I still do every day I don't I don't track my steps body checking is still something that I struggle to control because 
you do just you, like sometimes it's and I think the hardest thing with that sorry to interrupt yeah. but I, I do think the hardest thing with that is going to the gym yeah because like yeah, in, yeah. at my home I know where my mirrors are if mm-hmm. I'm having a bad day I walk on by yeah, yeah. I walk on by yeah. I don't need to look but I do think that there's something to be said. And, and actually, that's a big thing as well. Like in my bathroom, you know, when you're like getting naked. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have mirrors there. Oh, I have, a, I have a, like a high mirror in my bathroom mm. to do my makeup, but I don't have any like body mirrors and stuff. I think that really helps. I understand. But I think that the gym can yeah. be a really hard one. I really feel that like it can almost catch you off guard. Yeah. Because it's not like your home where you can like be a little bit more chill about it. It's like, oh God, yeah. right. Yeah. Like especially like around my cycle, like. 100%. I can have those moments. But I do think that, you know, one of my biggest tools of that, and I think body checking is probably one of the final things that I still can be challenged by, is like, it's just, it's almost like it's such a relevant information to me. Like I, I, you know, when you have to like learn to repattern your brain to mm. be like, my brain is telling me something, but it's also really irrelevant. Like I almost let it, that very much that analogy of like, it goes in one ear, but it also comes out the other. Yeah. And I think it doesn't happen every time. Like, I, and I and I do think there's got to be some like serious honesty about how these things can affect you, me, you know, anyone that's yeah. on the recovery journey. But I do think that I try and tell myself like how irrelevant that information yeah. is. And I've recognized on your journey and very similar to mine, that like strength has been such a grounding factor in trying to move away from looking at my body at the gym and actually like, what can my body do? Mm-hmm. Like, I I know that for me personally, like strength has been my savior. Yeah. That, you know, the, the process of getting stronger requires you to eat more, rest, and do all the things that actually prioritize health over yeah. aesthetics. 100%. And so I know that that's been so crucial on my journey. Like last year, my goal was to get 10 pull-ups. Like, I did it and like it, I did it because I did it in such a, a way that didn't have anything to do with like the way my body yeah. looked. And I think that's really important. I recognize that in your journey. And I think it's something that you've spoken about as well in terms of how you've changed your approach to exercise. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I was weight training before gaining weight, but like you said, it was all for the wrong reasons and I wasn't feeling myself and I wasn't doing it for the strength gains or anything like that. So when I switched that mindset, as like throughout my waiting journey, I was gaining more energy. So I was naturally being able to lift more. And I really grasped on the deadlift goal that I was, I really want to achieve, like getting to 100K deadlift was like, I was like, that's all I need to do. Like, I'm so happy if I reach that point. And once I got to that point, the happiness that I felt and the, the accomplishment that I felt was so unmatched that I knew that that from that point, like it's it's strength all the way. Yeah, I like to have little things to focus on. So at the moment, pull-ups is one of them. Stiff leg deadlifts is another. Squats used to be one. Like I'm, I'm sort of <laughs> going through all of them. It's interesting with my training at the moment because I've started to incorporate running again, which was a really scary point to come to because with running, I, I had such a bad relationship with it. Um, I was only doing it to burn calories. I only doing it to, to be able to probably eat maybe something more throughout my day. It was just really toxic. So I really wanted to wait for the right moment to, to incorporate running again, because I'm not gonna lie, because when I when I stopped doing all my cardio, I did notice that a lot of my cardiovascular fitness had gone downhill. So when I slowly incorporated gentle runs, gentle jogs, the motive behind that was to just really get up my cardiovascular fitness. So yeah, at the moment, I'm incorporating running into my weight training and it's fair, like three Ks. It doesn't need to be, far it doesn't need to be a 5k just 3k and it's helping me realize that yeah running can become a bad toxic trait to have or like a habit to to be in but it can also be an incredible thrilling motivating exercise to incorporate into your life and I'm in that situation now and it's the best thing ever so I like mixing it up every now and then 
And I also think that like underlying all of that is just like enjoyment. Like exactly. when you're in a disordered space, like exercise and enjoyment aren't in the same room together. Yeah. Like they're just <laughs> not. Whereas I think when you start to recover and you recognize that how fun it can be, mm. you know, like I think that you can start to rebuild that fun element and mm. that enjoyment element so that you finish session and you're like, oh my God, I actually feel great yeah. as a result of that rather than like checking your watch and being like, what have I burned? Yeah. You know, like I, I, I totally get that. It's and, taking the pressure off. Yeah. You don't have to reach a certain number or certain anything it's just it's lo literally going into the gym being free with it you, yeah you can have a plan but if you don't want to do all the exercises you don't feel like you have to it's not the be all or end all mm. and that I think taking the pressure off has really helped bring that enjoyment into my my workouts for sure. I love that. Now talk to me about your new project. I know Vida's been around, but it's having a transition upgrade yeah. phase. So talk to me about that because it's really exciting. Yeah, so ever since I saw sort of my job becoming a, a real thing, helping people was always the, the forefront of whatever I was doing. And having an app was like a lifelong goal. Being able to like give access to girls who like me was too scared to go to the doctors, too much in, in denial, didn't want to talk to anyone about it. Having that app I've brought to Instagram and, and society has really been such an, an amazing, incredible project that I'm working on. And I think it's a scary thing to do because eating disorders are so complicated. So I really wanted to make sure I did it right. And we've got... Um, an eating disorder specialist who has had about 15, 16 years of experience in the NHS. So she is incredible. She just knows everything about everything. And I've got her on board. We are, we literally, as of today, we um, are taking on clients who are struggling with an eating disorder because before we couldn't, we just didn't have the qualifications for that. And it was killing me inside because I had this app, I had all the incredible features on it, but I just couldn't give it to the people who I really, really wanted to give it to. So yeah, it's incredible. And I don't think... I don't think there's anything like it in, in the fitness industry at the moment. I don't think so. And I think it's definitely serving a massive, massive part of the industry yeah. that needs addressing. And I'm I'm really proud and excited of you because I think that's such a huge step. And I do think that one of the best things about getting to a place where you'll feel like you're fully on your recovery journey is being able to give back to the people mm. that, that are maybe f further back on that journey and and, and maybe just starting or, or aren't even started yet. So mm. I think it's going to be amazing. And I'm really proud of you. And that is absolutely incredible. Millie, you've been an amazing guest today. Thank you so much for coming on. It's honestly been, it's just really lovely. Like I feel like I'm a few years ahead of you. You know, the same cyclical patterns kind of go through the industry. Yeah. And, and, and also you see people that are coming up underneath you who are going through the same things that you might have done. And I sort of look at you like from afar and just think like I'm really really proud of your journey and I think you should be so proud of yourself because it's not easy and also when you play that journey out publicly it's hard and there's sometimes mistakes that we make and things that we you know do differently mm -hmm. or whatever but I really think that you are someone who seems to be in such a a great place and really inspiring so many others so thank you for coming on thank and I wish you the best thank, thank you for having me it's been so lovely to chat to you so thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'll be back on Friday for my Ask Alice. Again, if you have any questions for that, send us an email to the email that's in the show notes. If not, I'll be back next Wednesday for my next episode and I look forward to speaking to you then. Insanity Group.